5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Get you to the weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Little Delbert McClinton, if you know, you know. Welcome in. Uh, we've got big show today. We're going to have Webb Wellman back on with us. Hoop State. And uh, they've got a big series of events we're going to tell you about, including one right here in Pitt County starting tomorrow and Monday for the MLK weekend. And we're going to grab uh, a hold of uh, our pal Brian Mall, talk some college basketball. And uh, right now, today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. ECU trying to get off the schneid. Uh, they'll have a... One o'clock date with USF here in Greenville on Sunday, 12 noon airtime here on 94.3. The game with Pirate Game Day Countdown. Then at 1230, ECU Radio Network coverage begins right here on 94.3. The game, our own Philip the Ref Pilkington will be get you, getting you into coverage. Uh, and then network coverage beginning at 1230. And then coming up at uh, one o'clock, of course, the tip between Mike Swartz's Pirates and the Bulls of South Florida. In fact, uh, Coach Swartz addressing the media about that earlier, and uh, this was his opening statement. Tough stretch we're in, uh, three out of four games on the road. Obviously, uh, you know, didn't play very well versus Cincinnati, particularly in the second half, you know, uh, latter part of the first half, second half, and gets no easier uh, with a really good South Florida team coming in here that, uh, you know, record is not indicative of how good a team this is and, and the way they've played, uh, particularly recently in, in their last game versus Houston and, you know, watched a lot of film on them. This is a really good ball club, as good of a guard as there is in this league and as good of a big man as there is in this league. And uh, So great challenge for us on Sunday. Here come the questions. This is always a, a fun time. And this is uh, the first one that was asked about whether or not it was uh, Cincinnati played so well the other night in the 83-55 win or the Pirates just didn't play well at all or 
little bit of both. I think both. I think anytime you let their best shooter or one of their best shooters, they got a multitude of really good players and shooters, but Landers Nolly hits two threes to start that game and just gets them going. And, you know, and then they make 10 threes in the first half and uh, give them a lot of credit. A lot of them were contested and we were there. And But, you know, again, some of them weren't. But anytime they get started with back-to-back threes to start the game, I think that momentum, particularly at home in a great environment, uh, really good team, well-coached team, it kind of just continues. And, and it snowballs and uh, we were able to fight and we midway through the first half we had it you know I mean a tie ball game and you know then they hit three straight threes and take a nine point lead and just from there it was hard for us to you know to regain traction. Coach asked about, uh, is he seeing any improvement from his pirate play? Yeah, yeah, great point. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Javon had not played some of his best basketball in the previous four games. And Javon looked like, uh, you know, really looked like how he had looked prior, you know, to, you know, right right before conference started and really early in conference. So, absolutely, he took a step up. And, uh, you know, you just look at some, you know, Brandon didn't have his best game, but we've gone back and looked at the film and seen some areas that Brandon can be better. Same thing with Ezra. But, you know, Brandon's going to expect that. Brandon's one of the leading rebounders in the league, and so teams are going to put a target on him in terms of blocking him out and being physical with him and understanding that he can stretch the floor and he can also play inside. So they did a good job of that. Give Cincinnati credit. But there's no doubt Brandon will be better for it because that's how you have to grow. And the list goes down. I mean, Quentin DeBunge has one of his better games that he's had in over a month. And I think Quentin is going to come. Ben came in and did some good things. So you're definitely going to find the positives to build on. Uh, but win or lose, we got to go correct some things, and we're going to do that. Today's Pirate Report, uh, Coach was asked to, uh, that's Mike Swartz that is, asked to follow up and elaborate on, was uh, is it something that uh, maybe Small and Johnson are seeing that's a little different than what was anticipated? Obviously seeing a lot of this kind of attention at this level for the first time. When I think scouting, I think when, when you talk about when we would go, when we sit in and we get ready to prepare for South Florida or we were preparing for Cincinnati, you go down and you really look at offensively who they're running their offense through. What do they like to do? Tendency, same thing defensively, whether it's a strong defender or defender that we want to try and attack. It's no different. So they look at Javon and they say, well, his ball screen usage rate or his running their offense through him is at a very high rate so they want to make it difficult for him Brandon Johnson's averaging three plus offensive rebounds a game well we got to really hit him every shot we got to block him out keep him off the glass sometimes they were sending two guys to hit him if there's an extra guard our point guard doesn't crash they send him down and they jam him with, with the second blockout so you can see that on film and when you go back and watch it after now the question becomes for Javon Brandon Ezra whomever it may be can you elevate what you're doing well beyond the defensive intensity that you're going to face? And that's scouting, that's conference play, so you definitely grow from that stuff. Coach Swartz was asked about taking better care of the basketball last time. You know, I, I thought we had really good movement. If you look at the first four possessions of the game at Cincinnati, we had rim shot Ezra, you know, we didn't convert. We had a paint pull-up shot for RJ that he did convert on. We had another rim shot Ezra, we did not convert. And then Quinton had a great straight line drive and he got fouled and we missed both free throws. So our first four possessions, and I thought it was pretty indicative of how the game went. Uh, we were a little bit shorthanded in the game. We didn't have Jaden Walker. We didn't have Winston Tabs in the game. But from a ball movement perspective, getting the shots that we wanted, you know, Cincinnati is a really good defensive team. But I thought we played 
unselfish. I thought we moved the ball. We had great ball movement. We got the shots we wanted. We didn't shoot the ball very well in the first half. We had two to three uncontested looks behind the arc. If you can make a couple of those, maybe the rhythm is a little different. Uh, but yeah, for, you know, three of the last four games, I think we've had nine, nine, and ten turnovers. And then we had that, you know, huge, you know, fumble at Memphis with 22, and that was the difference in that game. But we got to keep taking care of the basketball. That, that's key, particularly on the road. Our own Ben B-Baby Byram on hand this morning, and uh, Ben asked Coach about Winston Tabb's status. Winston, last game, I think his knee was bothering him. He had taken a, uh, you know, he had just bumped knees, nothing great, just normal. This is normal time this year, you know, you're going to take bumps and bruises in practice. You know, you saw a couple of our guys got banged up during the game. This is normal this time of year, and I just think he wasn't in a positioning play, and that's why he wasn't suited out, you know, nothing, uh, nothing crazy, just, you know, one of those game-to-game things. Coach would go on to say that uh, obviously expecting tabs back uh, for Sunday as of right now. Uh, one thing that was interesting, Jaden Walker, who was sick, he'll be back as well. All anticipation is on Sunday. Coach said as much. Uh, but uh, Javon Small, they're going to know a little more after today's practice and maybe tomorrow's practice. So that's something to keep an eye on as far as Sunday goes. Uh, what will Javon Small's availability be? All indications are, I assume he'll be fine, but uh, they're going to be monitoring that Will the Pirates uh, the next few days. It's our Pirate Report here uh, ahead of ECU-USF on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Our coverage begins at noon right here on 94.3 The Game. This is uh, a question about uh, Daboon Jay and uh, how he played uh, for the first time in a few games, the effort he brought. Yeah, absolutely. And I was really proud of Quentin. I think offensively he looked like he was aggressive. He was confident out there. He gives us something. I mean, you see he made a, a, a three-point shot early in the game, drove the basketball a couple times. He cuts without the basketball, you know, Typically, he's a very good free throw shooter, so you expect him to knock a couple of those down early in the game. So, um, yeah, Quentin really did it for us on offense. Defensively, offensive rebounding, where we're challenging him, he did it offensive rebounding. The next step for Quentin defensively is to be more of a physical defender. He's pretty good. He's great moving his feet. He's laterally quick, but he's got to use that 215-pound frame uh, when it gets down, elbows and in. He's got to be able to use his body and, and it accept that contact and give contact as opposed to retreating all the time and allowing guys to go up over him. You can't play like you're a six-foot guard when you're a six-five guard. And he does that sometimes on drives, and he'll get better at that. Of course, uh, USF winless in the league, but they have uh, or they are coming off a game where they played Houston really, really tough in Houston. No small feat there. Uh, scouting report now on the Bulls. They're a really good team. Again, you know what's interesting is you look at us and USF schedule, we basically have played most of the same opponents outside of Houston. Uh, and they have been in every game. You look at what they just did at Houston. You look at what they did at Memphis. Uh, I mean, they were right there in both of those games. Again, Tyler Harris, one of the most dynamic guards there is. I've got a lot of familiarity with Tyler Harris from his time, you know, back at Memphis and have seen him and coached against him. He's a really, really good player. Uh, you know, Russell Tachua, one of the best bigs in this league. You know, they Keyshawn Bryant from South Carolina, I'm very familiar with him. They're an athletic, big rebounding team, as good of an offensive rebounding team as they're in this league. Very good defensive teams, holding uh, opponents to 41%. So, uh, you know, they, they could very easily be at the very top of this league right now. They've had a very difficult schedule up until this point, as we have in terms of the opponents and where the games have been on the road. Uh, it just worked out that way, I guess. But, uh, yeah, this is a team that, that's really a top-tier team. Coach was asked about uh, whether he was excited, excited to get back into Minji's. Yeah, you know, three, think about it, three out of yeah. four games on the road at Wichita, 
at uh, Memphis, at Cincinnati, you know, and then our home game in between was Central Florida. So, uh, you know, I guess the schedule just works out that way, and I think, you know, being back at home. But being back at home, we can't look at it. It's, it's no, you know, that's no crutch at all. I mean, we know that we've lost two possession games in this building. We lost, you know, to Temple, and we lost to UCF by one possession. So we just have to be ready to go wherever we play, and we just got to keep getting better, and, and we'll do that the next two days. Good luck to the ECU women tomorrow. They are uh, getting ready to head out on a uh, trip to Dallas to take on US, uh, rather SMU. And uh, it'll be an opportunity for uh, the Pirates to continue their winning ways. It's a 7 o'clock tip Eastern time tomorrow. Pirates are coming off a 21-point shellacking uh, for Kim McNeil's team against Temple. And uh, the Mustangs come in. Uh, they've held serve this season. Three non-conference losses came against Power 5 teams all on the road. Their two conference losses came away from home at Houston and at Memphis. Uh, both games uh, were pretty rough showings for them. Lost to Memphis in blowout fashion. Uh, but uh, the Pirates are uh, playing some good ball right now. Danae McNeil coming off a uh, career-high 28 for uh, ECU. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll be a victory for the uh, Pirates coming up on Saturday night, tomorrow night for uh, the ECU uh, women. Uh, we've got uh, our guy Kirk Kraft. Shout out to him. They're headed to UNC this weekend for the start of the indoor season for uh, track and field in uh, Chapel Hill as uh, they'll be uh, competing in an event there. And, of course, this is all uh, driving towards the uh, AAC Indoor Championships in late February in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, all right, uh, we, uh, that's right, Alabama. Alabama! Thank you, man. All right, we will uh, be back with uh, Brian Mull. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what is going on uh, in the uh, world of college basketball, get his thoughts on the matchup Sunday, and all the other big games happening uh, this weekend in uh, College Hoop. A lot, of, uh, a lot of things to come here in a basketball edition of the Get You to the Weekend version of the Patrick Johnson Show. weekend and I realize that there's a lot of things you're going to be paying attention to but there's a lot of good hoop out there Brian Mull writer at large with us uh, here he uh, keeps an eye on all things golf and college basketball we love to talk to him this time of year it's a Friday staple when we can Brian Mull joining us here on the Patrick Johnson show uh, follow him on Twitter at BG Mull how are you pal I'm doing well, Patrick. I hope you are. You saw uh, perhaps the game of the night Wednesday. I thought it was going to be this game, but I will say that perhaps UCF and uh, Memphis outdid it with the double overtime thriller in Orlando. Uh, but you were uh, in person for the uh, exciting matchup between the uh, Seahawks and College of Charleston Cougars. Electric. Atmosphere in Trask, a game that sold out several days before tip-off, and uh, students came out in full throat. And uh, Charleston, you know, took a nice lead into halftime, but uh, UNCW made a lead, made a great comeback, and and took the lead uh, late. And then Charleston just uh, made some tough veteran plays down the stretch and escaped with a two-point victory to keep their winning streak intact. 
uh, very impressed with Pat Kelsey's team. Of course, been watching them online and on TV quite a bit this year, but uh, to see them in person and just how fast uh, their transition is, especially after a made basket, is uh, it's really hard to prepare for. And there's a reason that they have uh, put together the season they have. And that's a dangerous basketball team that uh, could could theoretically run the table yeah. in the CAA. I mean, I don't know that they will. It's a, it's a that's a long road, and and you may have. Uh, but when you have nine guys who are good enough to start, uh, it certainly gives you an opportunity with some depth. To they're not all going to play poorly on the same night. So uh, they're, 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 he's done a phenomenal job down there. So Brian, uh, one other team I wanted to make mention of. They're coming to the American next year. They are fifteen in the net right now. Uh, FAU, Florida Atlantic, who is bound for the uh, for the American next season, is having a fantastic year in Conference USA. You talk about long winning streaks. They're on a 14-game heater right now. And uh, it, it's uh, in Boca Raton, there's some pretty good basketball being played this season. No doubt. Dusty May, uh, what a great story. A longtime high school coach and then a, a college assistant briefly and took over there. In 2018-19 for uh, Michael Curry and, and you know, they had had Matt Darty and Rex Walters and, uh, and a few other coaches who had failed miserably and uh, really no tradition in a, in a challenging basketball league. And he's had a winning record every year that he has been there and certainly uh, had high hopes coming into the season, returned a lot of players, and, boy, have they delivered. You know, they started this long winning streak with a road win over in-state rival Florida. Have since knocked off two of the heavyweights in Conference USA, North Texas and UAB, and a a nice win at home over Charlotte recently as well. And this is a team that, uh, a program that's uh, headed in in a positive direction as it takes a big step up and joins the American and uh, certainly, um, you know, will be an asset to the league and, uh, Kudos to Dusty May for the job he's done there. The, the, the most difficult thing to do in college sports is to build something from nothing at a place where there is no tradition. And uh, they're drawing well. People are interested in Boca Raton. They're getting off the, off the beach and <laughs> into the arena yeah. and supporting the Owls. And uh, I didn't know there were a lot of Owls in Boca Raton. Well, here, here's another little Dusty May factoid. Student manager at IU when Bob Knight was there. So, the, look, Dusty May might look like a Boy Scout. He's tough. I'm going to say this right now. <laughs> Dusty May's tough. He learned a few things about man to man and maybe a few words that we can't share here yeah. on these areas. Yeah. Brian Mull with us. All right, so we said uh, it's a big college basketball weekend. That'll probably get lost, unfortunately, in the shuffle a little bit with uh, everything going on uh, with the uh, NFL wi- Super Wild Card Weekend playoffs. Uh, what stands out to you as, as matchups, and we could delve into some of them? Well, a couple of ACC battles that are very interesting. Uh, when you look at a league that uh, it looks a lot different at the top than the, most folks projected or expected, even as recently as, I would say, a month ago, but Duke going down to Clemson, 5 o'clock on Saturday, ACC Network. Uh, certainly the Tigers are one of the stories of the year. Brad Brownell doing a phenomenal job there, undefeated. Uh, big test for Duke on the road where they haven't played particularly well, like so many teams around college basketball. And then a little closer to home, the, the nooner 
with Miami coming up to face NC State, uh, a, a match up there of two former CAA coaches, Jim Laranega and Kevin Keats. Uh, NC State had the game won down in Miami about a, uh, three weeks ago, let it slip away late. Uh, Keats really praising his team's defense, which has not been a strong suit in recent years in Raleigh. And really was, uh, I think we spoke about this a couple of months ago, the, the big question mark of, as far as their improvement, but they have shown improvement on that end. And that'll be a game that I'm sure the Wolfpack have had circled. Uh, give Keats credit, too. I mean, he's had some pretty significant injuries and overcome those to this point. DJ Burns, the big fellow who transferred in from Winthrop, has really uh, become a, a star and a fan favorite. He can do a little <laughs> bit of everything and uh, – the guards, uh, Smith and Joyner, are phenomenal. Uh, to Craven Smith, maybe one of the hardest guys to guard in the country. And uh, that should be a good one. We got Brian Mall on the line with us uh, here. Uh, we'll uh, get his thoughts on uh, ECU and uh, South Florida, which is play- being played Sunday at 1. Again, welcome to Wild Card Weekend. Uh, but uh, we've got that coming up. And I uh, want to ask you about UCF and uh, Tulane, which is being played tomorrow at two uh, from uh, the Big Easy. This is a big chess, a big test for UCF, who's had a fantastic year. No doubt. I mean, Johnny Dawkins done a terrific job there. I mean, when you look at their, their season wins over Oklahoma State, and of course, the big win over Memphis, you know, they beat Ole Miss, they beat Santa Clara. Uh, none of None of their losses look too bad at this point. Uh, certainly, they were they were not full strength when they lost the opener to UNC Asheville. But thirteen and four, four and one in the American, and now have to go to a Tulane team that's I had very high hopes for entering the season. They dealt with some injuries in the first month or so, were a little uneven in their performance, but really seemed to have uh, kicked their offense into high gear. When you look at uh, the last four games, averaging over ninety points, uh, Ron Hunter has has terrific guards, has enough inside, and uh, they can put points on the board in a hurry. They do not turn the ball over, and they make shots, and that's a pretty good combination. Um, So that should be interesting. I know UCF prefers a little slower pace. Tulane at home really, really likes to crank it up. They're top 20 in the country in tempo, and uh, that should be another matchup that will will kind of uh, determine who's in that who's trying to fight for second place. Cause I think, uh, I just don't see anyone, uh, knocking Houston off the first, yeah. first spot at any point during the regular season. A lot of unease right now, uh, Brian in, uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. And, uh, obviously they're going to have their hands full tomorrow at noon in Knoxville against, uh, UT. Uh, there was the fan with the poster this week. Uh, they got kicked out. And I wasn't Roy Williams kicking an opposing fan out, but it was uh, wildcat on wildcat crime there in a sense as uh, the Kentucky uh, security tossed the uh, fan who well, – the sign said something like go to Texas or something for, for talking about Coach Cal and that there. But, I mean, this has really come off the rails. And, and it's just not this year where it's been lackluster – for UK, is it? Oh, not at all. I mean, this is a this is a trend that is uh, just unlike anything we've seen in recent history at the University of Kentucky. I think a lot of people wrote off the 2021 season where they were nine and sixteen 
which is just, I mean, never supposed to happen in Lexington. People are like, well, it was a COVID year, this and that. They'll bounce back. They certainly bounced back last year. And at the end of the regular season, I thought we're playing as well as anyone. And, of course, uh, suffered one of the most humiliating upsets in the history of the NCAA tournament, losing to St. Peter's in the opening round. And then folks felt like, well, you know, you have the national player of the year returning. You've got a point guard who's led the conference in assists. You've got a couple of projected top ten draft picks, uh, you've got shooting. It seemed like everything was in place, but Kentucky has fallen flat in every single game that they have played against a respectable opponent this year. Their best victory to this point is either over a very ordinary Michigan team or perhaps Yale. And uh, this past week, just uh, when you look at a 26-point loss at Alabama, the worst loss to Alabama in program history, and then losing at home as a 17-point favorite to a South Carolina team who had just lost by 40 at home to Tennessee, it's just inexplicable. And that, and as you see the comments from some of the opposing coaching staffs, it's pretty obvious that they know it's pretty simple how they want to attack this Kentucky team. I think Calipari has uh, basically filled his assistant coaching staff. He's had a lot of turnover there in the last few years, and he's basically just filled that staff with recruiters. There was a piece out this week on the athletics saying that uh, the, some of the GAs and the, the, the basically the lower staff guys are preparing all of the scouting that hmm. the three assistants really don't have anything to do with that. They're just on the road trying to recruit players primarily, and it shows. Uh, they're a very easy team to uh, to figure out. And uh, when you take a team like South Carolina, which is uh, going to finish in the bottom two or three of the SEC, it just does not have the, the talent, and, and, and they're able to figure out a way to attack a team that has such such a higher level of talent on its home court. I mean, that's a distressing sign. And, and now, as you mentioned, have to go into Knoxville and play a team that is as difficult to play as any team in the country. I mean, playing this Rick Barnes, Tennessee team, trying to score against them, it's almost impossible. They have two of everything and uh, they're tough and physical. And that is not the place you want to go and try to save your season. All right. uh, Brian Mall with us. Follow him on uh, Twitter at BG Mall writes uh, part of Joe Lenardi's team. uh, Also college insider and uh, blue ribbon yearbook uh brian um following college b-ball unlike anybody um let me let me ask you this i i didn't get a chance to to bring this out last week when we talked to you because we had a lot to the ground to cover uh but as we sit here now let's say mid-january we're what six weeks left two months left in the regular season yeah uh approximately yeah a couple months left in the regular season who are the legitimate title contenders right now? That list keeps getting shorter, Patrick. <laughs> well, that's what, conversation- yeah, that's why I asked you. This is a conversation you and I have from time to time um, off the air. And if I had to identify that list at this moment, of course, Houston is at the top of my list. Okay. Followed very closely by Alabama. Um, I think both of them, and certainly Alabama went into Houston and handed them their only loss. Uh, I like Mick Cronin's UCLA team. I don't love it, but I do think they're geared for the NCAA tournament possession style of basketball. Uh, Of course, they were in the Final Four two years ago. I haven't given up on UConn, although they've dropped three in a row. Um, But but I would put them on the fringe of that list. But as far as uh, legitimate contenders, uh, Arizona and Kansas, 
to me, have everything it takes. I think uh, people are sleeping on Bill Self's Kansas team, the defending national champions. They're 15-1. and one. They just keep rolling. They're on their way to another regular season championship in the Big 12. They have the best offense in the country. Uh, they have a solid defense. I, I think there's probably a little bit of room for improvement on that end of the court. But uh, when you look at the schedule that they've played in conference, uh, you can certainly understand that. So uh, what's that, half a dozen? Yeah. You know, half yeah. a dozen teams that we're talking about right now. But I really – my favorite team to watch and really has been since the beginning of the season is Alabama. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they have – they check all the boxes. For all of the talk about their pace and their three-point shooting, their defense is elite. Uh top 10 in all the metrics, top five in field goal percentage defense. They force you to take tough shots. Really, their only weakness is they, they'll turn the ball over a little bit, but uh, Oates doesn't mind that, you know, as long as they're turnovers of aggression. And uh, I think uh, with Brandon Miller, a lottery style, you know, a lottery pick, and Mark Sears, the point guard that they added as a veteran guy, has really stabilized them and, and allowed them to have more good possessions of, uh, the Crimson, it may be the year for the Crimson Tide. They couldn't get it done on the football field. They may get it done on the <laughs> basketball. Uh, just looking ahead to Sunday, it's when UConn's back in uh, action. Uh, top 25 matchup will have Marquette and Xavier that day. Uh, East Carolina really playing a lot of the good teams in the American off the jump here. They'll be at home Sunday, 1 o'clock against South Florida. Our coverage begins at noon with uh, the local edition of Pirate Game Day Countdown, then uh, pregame on the network at 1.30. South Florida is yet to win in the American uh, slate so far, but they played Houston really, really tough just this week. So uh, how do you see this matchup? Do the Pirates get off the schneid? It, it'll be tough, I'm sure. It will, it will be tough. I mean, South Florida's coming in very hungry. I'm sure they've got this game circled on their calendar as well as a game that they feel like that they can – the steal on the road, but I think it's a great opportunity for ECU in these next two or three weeks to really pick up some momentum and will probably be the defining stretch of their season. Uh, when you look at the South Florida team, it's certainly beatable uh, if ECU can limit the mistakes and uh, just finish some plays around the basket against them. Uh, continue to defend like they have for most of the season. I know they took a little step back at Cincinnati, but that was just a game that kind of got away from them, a poor night for the Pirates. You're going to have those during the course of the season. But I I think when you look at South Florida and then home games the following week with Tulsa and Wichita State, um, this is a real opportunity for ECU to to rack up some wins and get back in the middle of the pack in the conference. Uh, I know that – Mike Schwartz always wants it to start on the defensive end, and that's where it will start for them. But they just need a little more consistent play from that big three, you know, the, the top guys. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, for, for the folks in Greenville, they can get some confidence on their home court. And, you know, even the game at Temple is a winnable game uh, next week. Yeah. But uh, certainly this is a stretch that will, um, you know, the season's going to go one way or the other. And I, I think uh, – We'll find out a lot about the Pirates uh, in the next couple of weeks. And that game's at 1 o'clock, uh, ECU-USF on Sunday. That'll be followed uh, on ESPN2 by Memphis and uh, and Temple from Philadelphia. Boy, Memphis has had a really uh, tough stretch of road games in the conference here, if you look at it. I mean, obviously lost at a very good Tulane uh, team the day before their football team played 
uh, losing a double overtime this week against Central Florida. And then, you know, going to Temple, who's 4-1 and one in the conference, that's not going to be an easy road game for them. Tigers have kind of got, you know, hit with some tough roadies here to start league play. Well, we've, we've said it many times that if you want to survive your conference gauntlet, you better be able to defend uh, night in and night out because uh, – there, there are just times when the offense may leave you. Offense has not really been a problem for Memphis at this point, but their defense has certainly suffered, uh, giving up 96 points at Tulane and then certainly a high-scoring game against UCF in double overtime. Uh, they've got to they've got to figure some things out on that end of the floor. There's no doubting their talent with uh, Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams. They have one of the best one-two punches anywhere in the country, inside and outside, and they certainly have depth and talent around them. But uh, I think if, if Memphis can kind of right the ship, it's going to start on the defensive end for them. Penny has been disgusted with the fact that uh, a team with so much experience, athleticism, I mean, the, when you look at their rotation, they're all seniors. So there's no excuse for being a poor defensive team at this point in the season. So uh, that will be the thing to watch with, with Memphis. Can they uh, get some stops against an explosive uh, offense? Hey, Brian, thanks a lot. Always great to talk ball with you, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Okay, Patrick. Uh, to wrap up the show, we're going to have on with us uh, Webb Wellman from Hoop State here on the Get You to the Weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson My favorite sport. Uh-huh. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. I keep it so fresh on the microphone. I like no interruption when the game is on. Like big uh, basketball weekend coming up. A, a big showcase weekend for some of the best talent in the state. It's the Hoop State MLK, MLK Showcase. And back on the Patrick Johnson Show with us now is uh, Webb Wellman. Always great to catch up with him. Uh, yes, from uh, from Hoop State, the Hoop State, at the Hoop State on Twitter. How are you, Webb? Always always great to talk to you, man. I'm doing good. I'm actually sitting at Farmville Central right now, getting everything <laughs> set up. We're, uh, we're ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, big games there today, but it's kind of a statewide uh, deal. But uh, let's, let's talk about kind of what the event is. Uh, it's in the name of Martin Luther King, uh, obviously, and it just seems like that has kind of become the uh, you know, Christmas of the NBA is a big holiday for basketball. I think a lot of people associate that now. And I think just the overall game of basketball, people now uh, associate the MLK holiday, which is so important, uh, with basketball. And I think that's a cool thing. Definitely. It's um, it's kind of become, you know, with the John Wall being at the end of December, this is kind of the last weekend where teams are playing non-conference opponents. Like I know, example here at Farmville, Greenfield is who they play tomorrow night, and it'll be their last real test, you know, outside of conference play as they lead up to the state tournament. So this is kind of the last hurrah of um, big-time matchups outside of conference play. So happening uh, this uh, weekend uh, at Farmville, uh, and uh, I'm I'm looking at the website here to make sure I I get it right. Uh, I got your back. You got my back if I don't. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, but you've got uh, – well, for Farmville, run through the Farmville side of things for us. For sure. So um, starting tomorrow, Saturday, yeah, 2.30 uh, p.m., we've got New Bern with two sports star Will Brimmer coming into town to be the home team against 
4A state championship contender Millbrook. They've got a top 75 sophomore in the country and 6'7 Colt Langdon. Uh, following that game at 4 p.m., we've got the boys at, for the Beach Boys from First Flight coming in to take on a number one player in the junior class, Jaron Stevenson. Um, and then following that game at 5.30, we've got kind of the two staples, both in public and private school basketball, two Hall of Fame coaches, Larry Williford and Farmville Central, hosting Greenfield School and Rob Salter. Um, and then we kind of transfer over to Monday. we got a full slate of games starting at noon, um, with the, the last game being Farmville versus First Flight tipping off at 7.30. The big one to watch Monday here outside of that Farmville game is at 6 o'clock, We've got two state championship contenders, two private school powers, Greenfield and the Burlington School coming in to, to play each other. So um, great games at Farmville, obviously a basketball city, title town um, in competition with kind of, you know, Kinston where I'm from. And uh, we're also in the same weekend, just to also kind of cross promote, we'll be live in Garner from Garner High yeah. School on Saturday and Monday as well. And um, probably the biggest event of the weekend is at Carmel Christian just outside of Charlotte. Tons of monster public school versus private school matchups out there. Um, and we're streaming all those games at HoopStateLive.com. HoopStateLive.com. Yeah, I was going to say you can watch all of them. Now, if you want to get a ticket to go, uh, the, the ticket gets you in all day. So if, like for tomorrow, for example, if you want to go and watch those three great games at Farm Bowl, uh, ticket gets you in for all three. Is that right? All day, yes, sir. For all the venues for all the events, come in, pay one price, you get in all day. That's awesome. Uh, and and Webb Wellman with this uh, hoop state, uh, the hoop state uh, at the hoop state on Twitter's the, the best way, and then hoop state store, hoopstatelive.com. There's there's many ways to consume all of this and, and watch basketball uh, tomorrow and Monday. By the way, Monday will also feature uh, as far as kind of some local teams at Farmville, one thirty uh, Riverside. Uh, in Washington, and then at three, Green Central and uh, the Great Blue Edwards. Saw blue right before uh, Christmas, and Crossroads Christian, and then East Carteret's also playing. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of local flavor too here. You, you mentioned uh, it, it's interesting, Webb. You kind of got the East, the Central at Garner, and then out near Charlotte locked up. So this has kind of become a statewide deal. Totally, and, and kind of the last piece of that puzzle. Uh, Phenom Hoops is, is one of our partners is running the deal in, in Charlotte. Um, Garner reached out to us, Coach Blom, uh, not too long ago to get us involved at Garner. We'll take a much larger role there. Next year we'll start helping bring in teams yeah. and put together the schedule and do all that. And then, yeah, here at Farmville, um, you know, Kinston wanted to go a different direction and kind of make their thing more local. And so for me, you know, a big reason why the Kinston stuff went off the way it did was because of Farmville's involvement. Right. And coach Williford is a, is a great friend of mine. And, um, you know, once Kinston kind of made that decision within 30 minutes, you know, conversation with Larry, boom, we're here. So this will be a staple every year. We'll have two days here, um, every single year. And again, the, the goal will be kind of where we were headed in Kinston, which is tons of great local matchups, and then start to bring in some national talent to these local areas that the community won't, wouldn't be able to see normally. I want to kind of take what we do at the John Wall, break off little pieces yeah. of that, and distribute it all across the state. And uh, noting tomorrow, too, just for the local flavor, North Edgecombe's uh, going to be playing up in, uh, in Garner at 430 tomorrow. 
against uh, right. science and math. That's kind of a neat matchup because, uh, you know, that's you, you, again. I've, I just think the matchups, be it national powers or local schools in these in these markets, I mean, they're games that you normally wouldn't see, and that's what's really kind of great about this. And in a way, you know, not to to take too big a leap here, but I mean, you know, it's it's a the, the, the actual MLK weekend is about, in my mind, many things, but also, you know crossing any divides that may exist and, and basketball is a great way to do that. And it's kind of cool that you have these matchups, uh, schools that and, 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 exactly and yeah, right. students that might not interact with each other normally. That is, and you know, you're very familiar with where I went to school at Parrot. Um, you know, when I, especially when I was there, there was definitely, uh, it was lacking diversity to say the least. So for me, basketball was my gateway to the real world and to connecting me with different people from different backgrounds who have dealt with different things, with different perspectives. Um, you know, my junior and senior year of high school were huge for me because of the game of basketball. When I dove into it, it took me into a whole different place and it opened my eyes and it's why I'm here today. So for exactly what you just said, you know, kids interacting with different kids from different places. And as we build these things up, getting to play in front of sold out crowds, it is something that these kids will remember for the rest of their lives. It's very valuable um, for a multitude of reasons. So uh, last year when we talked to you, Webb, we had uh, Road to the Rafters, which uh, you all are distributing on the Hoop State Network, I think YouTube, and, and really about anywhere you download, you know, episodic kind of shows like that, you could probably find it. Uh, and you've got Williford and Farmville back this year. I don't know how you got Larry to to agree to this, to be mic'd up for a second season, but uh, you, you exactly. did. So we've done three now. Oh, three. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've done three now. All You know, Larry's been involved in all of them. Yeah. Uh, the first year it was just them. The second year it was them along with uh, South Granville and Bobby okay. Pettiford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. And then last year we took on the three teams. We had JL Chambers with Jalen Curry and Daniel Sanford. We had Farmville Central here with Josh Short and Jaden Pitt. And we also had Wilson Prep um, okay. out of Wilson yeah. with, with Coach Anthony Atkinson. So we had a 1A, a 2A, um, and a 4A. So kind of this year we're hoping to expand again. And uh, Farmville Central will always be a staple of, of that, okay. that program. Um, I think Anthony Atkinson and Wilson Prep will continue to, to work with us as well. And we'll continue to find 3A and 4A teams just kind of based on the talent um, and the coaches. But, yeah, you know, the reason this is so popular and so valuable is because of Coach Williford. Um, <laughs> yeah. anyone who knows him and watches the content, you realize kind of, he is the star. Um, and believe you me, <laughs> if this was an uncut series on Netflix, uh, the entertainment value would be tenfold, <laughs> um, yeah. but the edited version is also pretty, pretty good as well. So yeah, like you said, um, seasons one through three are available now okay. on our YouTube channel at the Hoop State Network. And, um, season four will begin production kind of leading into conference, pl- uh, conference okay. playoffs. Gotcha. So this event in a way kind of kicks it off, I guess, maybe, right? Yes, that's yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Webb Wellman is is with us here. I know you, when we talked to you last year, the, the plan was to try to, you know, grow Hoop State beyond North Carolina. And uh, everybody has, you know, the you want everybody wants everything now. And I think the way you've grown uh, this, it's very, very smart. And look no further than the MLK Hoop State weekend, uh, because you now have, as we said, events in three different communities across the state. And again, that just seems like an organic and natural progression of, of what you're trying to, to establish. So 
you know, for those that maybe don't know, and, and I think a lot of people who follow basketball in the state know what it is, but, you know, give us kind of the, the flavor of Hoop State, how it started again, and, and, and you know, kind of the short-term and long-term goals you got for it, Webb. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I was lucky enough growing up in Kinston to be around kind of the old-school media types like Brian Hanks, who takes that kind of um, – journalistic approach, uh, you know, with integrity and, 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 you know, high value, moral value, and et cetera, which, you know, you know, that can get lost pretty easy. Um, so I, I was kind of raised on that. And I was also brought up in new age media, internet, uh, cameras, YouTube, et cetera. So I kind of saw a gap in the market in the high school space to where, you know, growing up in Kinston, you could turn on channel nine, and all day long, it's basically just ads running on TV. And I thought, man, this guy's been doing this for 30 years just off of this. Like, if I could take a more creative approach to this concept um, and, and only concentrate on basketball and do it that I've been building um, from a marketing standpoint since 2008, you know, I kind of wanted to take everything I learned traveling the country, doing this basketball thing for over 10 years, take all the parts that work and bring them home. You know, I look at basketball in this state the same way that football is viewed in Texas. You know, I think that there's a ton of opportunities here. It just takes the right person who is creative and adaptive and a little bit crazy to (laughs) do the work and make it happen. And so I've been doing this since 2007, Um, not the Hoop State Network specifically, but this work in basketball. And the Hoop State Network was started right before COVID hit. And um, it hasn't been easy. It's been a challenge every step of the way. Um, but Coach Williford said it on my way into the school. You know, it's uh, life is not a layup. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a little bit more difficult than that. And so I take on the challenges. I I do. And so now the overall goal for, for what we do as a whole is to create opportunities for kids, um, make money as a business so we continue to grow. And like you said, be organic, be original, and be real. And the community will latch on to that as they have. And we will continue to push and continue to grow. Uh, well, hey, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And and, it, and it's just I'm very uh, pleased every time I see you guys are doing something else. And, and uh, this it's really amazing. Another season of Road to the Rafters soon to premiere on the Hoop State Network uh, YouTube page. So check that out. You can go back and watch past episodes and watch uh, a sanitized version. I'm kidding about Coach Williford. He's always a gentleman. <laughs> but you can watch. Uh, yeah, it's it's some compelling stuff, uh, especially when you get to those ch- – as you go through the playoffs, that everything just really amps up a, a lot. It's fun to watch those. And then uh, we've got the Hoop State MOK weekend starting tomorrow at Farmville Central and Monday at Farmville Central. Uh, two other locations, Carmel Christian and Garner High School. And, again – let me run through real quick. Webb did a great job of this, but tomorrow at two thirty, you got Newburn and Millbrook. Four o'clock first flight and Seaforth. Uh, Five thirty Farmville and Greenfield tomorrow. So that's a big main event. And then coming up on Monday MLK Day, all the action starts at noon and it culminates at seven thirty with uh, Farmville and First Flight uh, one another. That'll be a fun game. First Flight plays that fun. Let it fly, kind of style. So that'll be. Let uh, it fly. Yeah. That's right. That's going to be I an awesome. And I want to let people matchup. know. Yeah. P- people are super aware of, of what Farmville does in this community. So I don't need to sell Farmville. But if you do not know about Greenfield School, they have a freshman named Kobe Edwards 
who is going to be a name people are discussing for the next three years. The kid is exciting. The kid's got pop. He's got a handle. He's got a shot. He is the real deal, and he has started to come into his own. He alone would be worth coming to check out to see how he handles the defense that this Marvel team puts up. Say no more. Um, hey, Webb, great to talk to you. We're always happy. If there's anything we can ever do, let us know. But uh, great to talk to you and uh, have, a, have a great weekend. It'll be a lot of fun uh, uh, this weekend through the game of basketball. Thank you for the time. I appreciate you so much for your platform and tell your dad congratulations on, uh, on his retirement. <laughs> yeah, that's eking out right now. But, yeah, coach is, coach is uh, going to be uh, hanging him up, hanging up the whistle. After this season, look, you want some old school on the hoop state network, put him on to be an analyst for one of your games. That would be great. That'd be, that'd be, you think, would love I that. I think a podcast episode between me and your dad would be extremely, I'm, extremely he, fun. He, he's going to need something to do. So you, you need to get him to do it. So, all right. <laughs> there you go. Thanks Perfect. Webb. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Coach. Thanks to Webb Wellman. Thanks also to uh, the one and only Brian Mull for being with us. And we will be back on uh, Monday recap of ECU and South Florida and great guest uh, next week as uh, we'll be uh, getting him lined up. So join us at five o'clock uh, Monday right here for the Patrick Johnson show. Don't forget uh, we'll have coverage of ECU and USF locally with uh, Philip Ref Pilkington right here on 94.3 The Game at noon on Sunday with the uh, game tipping at one o'clock. Have a great weekend. Be safe, everybody.